I thank you for speaking to us through your Holy Spirit, Lord, through this message of tongues and interpretation. And God, I pray that we would not just pass that by, Lord, as for a moment. God, that would change us. God, those words are too easy to say, but the meaning is so heavy. Lord, change us. The very thing that we cannot do ourselves, Lord, the very thing that we hope for in changing jobs, changing situations, Lord, changing relationships, all the feeble attempts, Lord, for us to change our situations ourselves, and yet we know time after time as we fail that we cannot do it on our own. Lord, we have this moment, supernatural moment, this moment that's beyond and above and more powerful than anything in this temporary world. We have your power, Lord, we have your voice speaking to our hearts, the creator of all, speaking directly to us. God, I pray you silence the critic in us that the, that the enemy would try to place that lets us critique the church and critique the service and critique the things around us, Lord, and hold ourselves high and mighty in, in spiritual high places, Lord, in our heads and our minds and our hearts that the enemy wants to plant that pride. And I pray that you'd humble ourselves, humble us, Lord, before you. Whatever it takes, God, to humble us that we might be able to truly hear your voice and hear it in, in truth, Lord, and know that it speaks to us, not, not to us about the people around us, but to us. Not about the church, but to the church, to us who are the church that you speak so vividly and clearly. If we'll only open our ears and hear, Lord, if our hearts will only allow us for a moment to get over ourselves and hear your voice. May God, there's no other purpose but to motivate move us as the acts account, Lord, to go out even unto our deaths, Lord, for the cause of the gospel, if that's what it takes, but in obedience and joyfully serving you with everything we've got. As to not just hold on to the gifts and the provision and all the things you've given us, but, but God, realize that as you own everything, it's meant to be shared among all your children and that, God, we are the ones that carry that hope and that light with your gospel. To those who are alone, destitute, or hurting, or depressed, or, or afflicted, God, or, or, or being tormented by the enemy, God, you have given the answer in your word, and we are the messengers to carry it out, and God, I pray today that you seal this in our hearts, seal this word in our hearts, and God, you have everything we need. Quit looking to the left and to the right. Quit looking around. Quit searching and hoping and always looking for something else and realize that everything that you, we need, Lord, you are providing, you are guiding, you are speaking into our lives. If we only would stop, take a breath, be woken out of our slumber and see that, God, you hold the key to everything we are created to be. Everything. Thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thank you, Jesus. I have a deep burden for not just this church, but for the people of God and myself and my family. Not just pastor. I have kids and a wife that I want to lead to follow the Lord. And we as a body 
greatly affect in everything we do, not only our families, but each other. Church, we cannot, we cannot allow ourselves to spectate. You can't afford it. Do you understand that your eternal life, Christ, you can walk away from Him and it is just decisions, small ones, one by one. And many times it's not some great sin that you leave and it's drugs or you leave and it's pornography or whatever. Many times it's a complacency of just sitting and getting so used to the comfort of what we're afforded in, in the presence of God being here and taking that for granted, sitting back, spectating, not letting our pride get out of the way long enough for it to break us and bring us to a place where we can be filled. You see, you cannot, you cannot, and I know this with every bit of truth of the gospel, you cannot sit back and expect God to do something in your life without being willing for Him to take you to the most uncomfortable place you've ever been. Many times it's a place of humility. He's done it to me. He's laid me out in the altar where I, I just, He laid me out in the Spirit. And my normal self would have been embarrassed to be in that spot. But a moment of desperation when I just got out of the way long and said, God, I want you so badly. Everything about you. I want to just totally for this moment, I want to just put everything out of this world, out of my mind. All my preconceived ideas about the preacher and the church and the worship and all. I just all that, God, you've, you've created is good, but I, I just want you and more of you, more of you, more of you. I just want all of you get to this place of desperation where you say, you know what? I am around people that see me all the time and they expect a certain thing out of me, but, but that's not important. What's important is I once again become like a child. I've got my adult life and my adult responsibilities and all the things that weigh me down. But what God says in His Word is until we become like a child. Children don't, don't often care about what other people think. They they are looking for the, the joy of play and laughter and they try to stay away from anything that would steal that from them. It's true they don't like rules, they don't like the structure, that's something that the Heavenly Father brings on us like we do with our children, but, but He wants you to have freedom. And you can't have that as long as you put any amount, even a, even a first second pushback and the Holy Spirit prompts your heart to react. So I'll just tell you, I know for a fact with myself and, and everyone in here, we're no different, me or you. I don't place more spiritual importance on coming up to the altar than whether you kneel or whether you do, but I just know for a fact in my spirit that we are still at the point where we still hold back. I can't tell you what that looks like with you letting go and letting the Holy Spirit move you. I just know for a fact in my spirit, God is speaking to my heart constantly that we are still holding back. And that's not meant as to chastise you, that's an encouragement to say, if you only could understand, He wants to pour out so much on you, but you're holding back. So it is not the enemy. He, he may be trying to pull the strings, but you have free will. He's given you power over the enemy as a believer, but you have the power to hold back or not. And so it is under our own will that we stop ourselves from experiencing the fullness of what God wants to do in our lives. And it's not about a Holy Spirit movement where everybody's just running around. That's all, that's all the outward signs if it's truly God that something's happening but what it does to you is when you go out in your family you've got brokenness in your family you've got demonic oppression dealing with children who, who are who are the demons are just trying to steal them 
The devil's trying to steal for you something to snap in you because what God has done in you in a moment and for the power of the Holy Spirit to come over you and you speak to that and immediately lives are changed in your own home, in your jobs, everywhere. To walk with that kind of authority, to speak with that kind of authority. In the book of Acts, that's exactly the purpose of the infilling of the Holy Spirit and why they waited up in the room. It wasn't for the fuzzy doodads. It wasn't for some great service to have and then walk. It was because they were going to be facing their deaths make a decision over my life here or spreading the gospel and seeing lives change. And they chose to spread the gospel even under their deaths. And that's the kind of faith I want to have, the kind of walk I want to have. But I can't do it pushing back when the Holy Spirit moves on me. So I want to pray one more time, and this is all I want to do. We, we, it's not going to make the difference whether we have an extra hour of altar service or not. What the difference is, is if you purpose in your heart, I am not going to hold back any longer. Because Monday morning comes, and the normal life comes. And that's where the rubber meets the road, is whether you're going to go with a song in your heart, with the Holy Spirit moving on you, and you crying on the way to work, ready to just tear it up for the Lord. The Holy Spirit moving day by day by day in your life is where the rubber meets the road. This is just for us to encourage us to keep going. That's what the purpose of the church is, the New Testament church, for us to be built up and encouraged to keep going when we're not together. We don't have that strength and comfort of being here in this nice environment and, and the Holy Spirit just feeling the presence of the Lord and having the protection from the demonic activity that we encounter face to face tomorrow. So I want us to just pray a prayer of commitment, uh, of, of resolve, of, of ultimate, the authority God's given us, say, I will purpose in my heart, Lord, I am going to turn myself over to you. I'm going to die to myself daily, whatever it takes to let your Holy Spirit rule and reign every moment of my life and use me as we sing. So, Lord, I just come to you now and I pray for those who will pray in agreement with me that, God, it doesn't make it any easier that I'm pastor other than the fact that it's expected of me, Lord, to live out my faith journey with boldness. That's expected and, and that I should be a man of godly. But, God, I am with them as one beggar trying to tell another beggar where to find bread that we all have the same challenge that the enemy would like to steal from us the power of your Holy Spirit operating us in the way you've designed us to, to operate and the distractions and the pushback and all that, God, I pray right now that squash in Jesus' name that it is defeated, that no longer will we walk into this place or out of bed in the morning or any place, but in our lives there's no more room for complacency or for pushing back when your Holy Spirit is moving on us. Let's be bold, let's be like children and just step out with childlike faith and not worry about anything else other than being in your presence and being obedient to you and letting you lead us as a good heavenly father you are and Jesus for lives to be changed by your power in Jesus name Amen Amen I'm going to just take a moment We're gonna, we want to um, before we worship and giving um, I want to uh do something we've done when we have our RV volunteers come in. And um, Jen, if you don't mind, could you go back and let the kids workers know, uh, kids volunteers know. We, uh, we've been blessed to be, be chosen to be a RV MAPS. We applied and they, I uh, remember the letter saying, you are an RV MAPS project. And in Assemblies God, we have a program called RV MAPS. Many of you know this, but for those of you are not familiar, and it is folks are either retired 
or just financially at a place or made the sacrificial decision, trust God, step out and live in RVs, you know, in, in campers and different levels of that. And some that's their only home. Some have homes otherwise and some travel full time doing this. Some don't, but they build churches and they build uh, teen challenges and they, they go and they help with the physical labor. And, and the church is responsible to build with them, to partner with them. They're not here to build our church for us, but to build with them. Also, we give a dollar per work hour towards missions. And so we sow into the kingdom. They aren't getting any money for this. Often I've encountered RVers are spending their money to come here. They they get here and, and, and just bless us over and over. And they are truly heroes of the faith. They are missionaries. They are going to rural America and big cities and all over the place. And God has really impressed my heart that, you know, they leave family. Some of these folks, they've got grandkids now. How many knows that leaving grandkids behind and not seeing them long periods of time, that's, that's a sacrifice. And so we can't be their family in reality. I mean, we can't replace their family or even come close or the grandkids. But for a moment, I just like to bring us together to be their family in prayer and support them because they are away from home and they're away from their comforts and they have sacrificed to be here to help us in our time of need. So if I could have the clapping ears come, brother and sister clapping ear, we're going to have you come right up here to the front. Now, our patches, we thought we'd be done with the church in 2017, so they say 2017, but I plan to get that fixed and mail out to all the RVers a 2018 patch, too, or at least add it. Um, so um, we want to present you with that. And, and many times the RVers, some of them wear them often and some don't, but they have a vest that is kind of a tradition to put a patch from the, the church or the project they've been on. So if I have the kids come forward, we're going to have them come forward first and, you know, most of our kids are here today. They probably they haven't even met the Kleppingers yet. They don't know. Kids, you guys don't even uh, realize, but these folks have come, Brother and Sister Kleppinger have come to help us build our new church, and they have worked very hard. They've been working this last week. And so we want to just pray for them and ask God to bless them because they have, they have, they have left kids and grandkids and family to come here to help us build our church. So just like your parents and grandparents, they are missing their family. And so we want to love on them and just give them hugs and pray for them. And if you're not comfortable giving hugs, it's okay. But I know my kids will, right? <laughs> so, so we're just going to gather around. Now, everybody else that wants to come up, you can just surround around the kids. And we're just going to pray for them and ask God's blessing. So you can move out of your seats if you feel led to do so. We thank you for Brother and Sister Clepping, and we thank you for their long life of ministry and support of pastors. As I got to hear last night, Lord, about many of the examples where you have placed them in, in great places and even places of difficulty, but they have been a support to their leaders. And God, they have stepped out in faith, and now they are going and supporting many leaders and many churches and church families. They are kingdom-minded. God, we pray for your many blessings and provision upon them, Lord, for their heart of, of ministry and faithfulness. And God, I thank you for the encouragement they've already been to us. And now we just pray, Lord, uh, as we bind together and believe, Lord, protect their children, protect their family while they're gone. Lord, I pray that even though in this absence, Lord, to their amazement, Lord, supernaturally, there'll be even a strengthening, Lord, of their family. Uh, that God, that even this time away, Lord, they just see your supernatural power, Lord, ministering to those that they love. 
And we just praise you and thank you for their love for you and for your church. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I tell you, um, as they're getting their hugs, so... uh, Jen was familiar with the Kleppingers before they came. They actually had both been in the, the same church, Hiawatha, right? Hiawatha, Kansas. And so uh, Jen was excited to have them come, and they've just been a blessing. So thank you. Thank you all so much. So I encourage you that if you stop by during the day, you know, we try to let them rest after about 3.30 when they head back to RVs. We try to just give them their time. Uh, they did come out to our house last night. We enjoyed dinner and a lot of great ministry conversation. And, and so they, they uh, I know they'd love to meet you if you stop by, but again, if it's in the evening, we try to give them that break. And uh, unless you see them out and about, they're uh, bicyclists too. And so they came to the right place. We had lots of great trails. And I'm hoping they get some time away from the project too to enjoy that while they're here. And uh, so just uh, welcome them and greet them. I know we have another presentation that I want to turn over to Jen. And, or, okay. Well, you, you put this together. I'm going to let you... She doesn't want to, but I'm going to let her. I was excited. Jen, Jen had this idea to get them uh, a Bible, and I believe with their names on it. And um, she took time. She really was like, excited because she found, she's like, I think this is the right Bible. And she'd asked me, I was like, Lord's giving that on your heart. So you do it. So, you know, that was a per, and Jen really put some personal prayer and time into choosing that Bible for you. I pray that it will bless you as you read it. Um, this is really a transition, as you all know, I mean, from high school to, to life. And that's more than we would admit at their age. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, there's a few times in our lives we have that greater pressure and it's the figuring out what do I do and what's life going to be and all these things. And so encourage them. Pray for them, but speak words of encouragement into them. They get enough of, you know, when I was your age, blah, 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 and you really need to, you know, I get it. And we want to sow in them, but, but I'm, I'm saying more encouragement, like, you know what? I'm going to be praying for you. God loves you. Don't forget that. And we are always here for you. That's what they need to hear. More than, you know, you can give them the suggestions, but I'm sure they get a lot of that. Um, both are from a large family, so they get a lot of counsel, right? Good and bad, right? <laughs> no, it's all good. All right, let's just pray for them. Lord, I just pray for Gavin and Sabriana as they uh, venture into this next season of their life. God, that you open doors for them, Lord. You lead and, and show them the direction to go. Lord, whether they are lay people in the church with, with a, a career that is not full-time ministry, but God, that they are a blessing to the body of believers and they are reaching others in their workplace, whatever it be. Or God, if you call them to full-time ministry, we just pray that this church will always be a home base, will always be a place that they know that they can come and there's a place of solitude and, and a place of prayer for them and love and support. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I'm really proud of both of them, and I've seen Gavin grow quite a bit in uh, in 
the time he's been here. And, and listen, if you guys only knew the kind of heartaches I brought my parents and all the stuff I went through as a teen and even as a pastor son of the church and embarrassment I brought to the pastor, you know, and even though dad would never say he was embarrassed of me, but he's human and I know I did enough. But you know what? Here's the deal. All those things that were invested in me in that local church, not just my parents, but the people of that church have paid dividends in my life over and over, even unto this day. Things that were said in encouragement, I remember vividly. Here I am, 44, and at 18, there's things that saints in the church said to me that still pay dividends in my life. God is still using. So don't take lightly. When, when the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you have a word of encouragement, sow into them. It'll be a lifelong, lifelong blessing. All right, well, as we get into God's Word here a minute, thank you, Ken, the worship team, and it's good to have Ken back, and, and uh, we love when we have Ken and Blenda and the whole team up there. It's, it's awesome. So, um, Well, I want to just, before, I've just got a few minutes. I'm going to shorten the message, obviously, quite a bit, so don't worry. You're, we're, I'll try to get you there just after the Baptists at the buffet, okay? You'll just be right behind them. Maybe they'll pay for your meal. You know, you never know. All right, <laughs> Um Oh, we are going to take offering. Thank you, Brother Bill. We don't. We, we got to make sure you don't have too much money for the buffet. Right now. <laughs> We're, we do need to pray and ask God um, continually to continue to provide. This, this season for us has been a little different because in the building project, we've had folks that have moved off or have transitioned. Yes, they did this intentionally. I know <laughs> ushers are now wearing green. Um, not lie malicious, but it's close. <laughs> not lie malicious. That's the na- name of the color we chose for the church anyway lie malicious okay so but um we do want to just say that you know in the previous years we've been able to celebrate great increases and it's been great and god has helped us to be able to minister to more people and 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 expand the borders and more opportunities and it's always for me about god speaking to your heart what to give we have the scripture telling us tithe and we know that we're supposed to do above that in an offering. You know, we're supposed to also sacrifice. But I cannot tell you dollar amounts. I cannot do that. I can't tell you that if, uh, you know, I, I'll sell you a prayer cloth for $10 and God's going to give you 1000 I can't do that. That wouldn't be scriptural. I can just tell you that God in his word challenges us that if we will be faithful to him, he will open the floodgates. He will bless you. It may not be monetary, but listen, I look at my kids and I see what God's doing in their lives. And I, I can't say, well, that's because of the whatever I gave in that offering. All I know is, is in faithfulness and everything, even my giving, God is, is blessing and, and giving me a wealth of other things. So I could be a pauper in finances and I'd still count God's blessings because of what he's doing in spiritually in our lives. So we have to just know what God is speaking to our hearts above and beyond our tithe. Your missions pledges, remember those building pledge, we need to stay faithful in what God has spoken to our hearts. So let's pray. God, I pray right now you speak to our hearts in this moment. Lord, we often think that it would take longer for us to make financial decisions, Lord, of, of what we do. But when it comes to your economy and you owning it all, God, we just trust that you're going to speak to our hearts right now what we should give. And in our faithfulness, Lord, we'll be able to release that, take our name off of it, give it to you. And Lord, just enjoy the many blessings in our lives spiritually, the abundance of souls that are saved, the, the, the things we cannot put a price tag on. We just thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Is it okay if I start preaching while they're taking an offering? Because we, uh, we are moving close to, I've got 10 minutes in, in the natural, okay? And some, some people have been growing Pentecostal like, brother, you know, you can go an hour over and that's just the Holy Spirit. So, well, 
I believe we have to also minister to the culture we're in, and we are a fast-paced culture, right? And attention spans with all these phones and cell phones, it's shortening our attention spans. So let's get with it. Um, I'll just say um, we are going to be pouring concrete out the new uh, property. There's still painting to be done. Uh, by Wednesday, we're told the rest of the texturing will be done, so the whole building is ready to paint, and, we, and a lot has been done, but there's going to be a lot more. So get out there, meet the RVers, work alongside them, and, and you'll be blessed by spending that time there. Well, last week we, we did a, started a two-part series. It really wasn't intended to be, but um, I, I got off on a little bit of rabbit trails, and so now it's a two-part series. But I talked about the fact that, uh, you know, before I was married, you have these visions of grandeur that everything's going to be perfect because you're, you're just in love and it's bliss. And all of a sudden you start cohabitating, you know, under the commitment of marriage before God. And so you are just like, this is a commitment to God. But then all of a sudden she starts using metal on your Teflon pans that you've had as a single guy for a while. And you just got a little OCD. That was me. And we talked about how silly that was. But um, that was one of our first disagreements was over using a metal fork in a Teflon thing. I was 30 when I got married. Ten years those things didn't have scratch on them. Two weeks later, they're, they're ruined, right? Now she could give you, I've only got a few examples of that. She could... If she if was Jen was a different person than she is, she would probably give you a wealth of things wrong with me. But she's always sweet about it. So, um, but you know, then moving on from that example last week, I think about kids. You know, I wanted to have the smartest, most perfect kids, never do anything wrong. And I mean, we were hard on the boys, especially at the beginning, being the first two we had. And you're at the hospital, and there's a celebration. And my dad's standing at the window of the nursery, looking at those twin boys, and and uh, you know, they're they're turning twelve next week and tear down his eye and says I just hope I live another year to see them walk and I and I've my my dad saying that I just thought you know isn't that how we are in life what new life coming in and our focus is still torn between our terminal selves that are very temporary and then the new things are coming and we just it's highs and lows New life coming in, but I'm concerned about the ending of mine. How did I spend my legacy? And, and will I get to carry on? And all these things we go back and forth. And, you know, with babies, they're new, and it's all excitement, and you get them home, and this is going to be great. We have this perfect baby. And then the dirty diapers. Well, you know, moms don't worry about as much, but for dads, dirty diapers. That's, I didn't realize we're going to have this, you know. Can't they do it themselves? And you know, then the crying all night, or some of them, you know, and then you get to the terrible twos. Some people experience terrible twos. We were fortunate. I don't think we had, some point there was some rough patches, but it wasn't a two. But you get that glimpse of what it might be like when they're a teenager. The only difference is a teenager, you can probably leave the house if they're a certain age and get away for a moment, you know, let them wallow in their own mess, you know. But as, as two-year-olds, you're stuck with them. So there's this little bit of torment with all the, the great pleasure of, of, of new babies. And that's what we talked about, this roller coaster life. The title of the message is this, roller, this, this lessons from a roller coaster life. And we were looking at Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 27. And just a short recap, remember, Jesus is going up on this mountaintop with Peter, James, and John. And they go up there and they end up seeing Moses appears and Elijah. And they get so excited that they suggest maybe we should do a temple, one for each of you, and, and capture this moment. It's very much the same kind of mentality we have now with these phones, right? This awesome thing happens, and instead of just enjoying the moment, we pull out the phone and, and capture it, even though we're going to have thousands and thousands of hours of video eventually that we'll probably never see all of them. 
but we'll literally miss the actual absorbing the moment. You see a birthday party and all the people have their phone in front of their face and the kids eating cake and someone their battery's going down and they're focused on the phone and they miss the event, trying to capture it. And, and this is what the disciples are doing. But they, they have this great mountaintop experience and Jesus goes down with them to the valley and in the middle of that there's this demon-possessed boy that this father has had this problem with. This boy has been throwing himself into fires throwing himself into the water, trying to drown. This demon uh, uh, possession has wreaked havoc on their lives for years since he was small. And the disciples tried to deliver this boy from the demon, the demon possession, and it didn't work. And so now the scribes and the disciples, they're arguing loudly. And Jesus comes with the disciples. They come from this mountaintop experience into the valley. And here's this mess. You know, it's kind of like, you know, if you have prayer meeting and you're like excited and praying and you walk out and someone's gossiping about somebody else. And you're like, really? You know, why do I have to be subject to all this mess in the church? Why can't it always be this mountaintop experience? So last week we talked about the fact that we want revival or we want a spiritual awakening. But we, we falsely believe that somehow, even though we have no scriptural account to back it up, that that should somehow get to a point where that just perpetuates and you never, ever have a moment where it's not this bliss. But that's all we see from Scripture, these highs and lows. We have example after example. And, and so they're arguing about this. And Jesus finally is trying to get an answer about what's going on, even though he knows, right, how he does that. And the Father speaks up. Can you imagine that Father? It's like, here's the church people supposed to be helping me. And they're arguing. And he can't almost get a word in his, his wise, but he tells Jesus what's going on, and Jesus is bringing to me. And Jesus ends up ministering him in the midst of that. And so, uh, for the sake of time, I won't read again like we did last week through the whole, whole thing of Mark chapter 9, verses 2 through 27. But what we learn from that on the mountaintop experience, we learn some lessons is that one, mountaintop experiences don't last forever. You, you know, they're, they're just not going to last forever because we don't learn anything from always staying in the good times. It's the trials that teach us so many things. It's that person that they went through cancer serving the Lord, but they understood that, that God was always with them and they were stronger and they can help others who go that same journey and be able to teach them lessons they learned. The second thing from the mountaintops we learned last week is that they are for strength and encouragement. You know, revivals aren't for us to have fuzzy doodads run up our back and run around and have all this excitement and then walk out the door and nothing change. They're to prepare us for what's ahead. And mountaintop experiences are to prepare you for your mission, which is to go and make disciples. And, and so then the third thing that we also learned, I'm sorry, is to give you strength for your mission, but also to prepare you for that mission. So that's the, the, three, the three things we learn from mountaintop experiences. Now today, we get into lessons from the valley. And I'm just going to briefly touch on each of these, but one of the things that happens when you get to the valley is when they last a long time, a long-term sickness, uh, like Job went through, long-term loss and tragedy. If you aren't staying focused on the Lord and keeping your heart right before Him and staying in His Word and in prayer, it can lead to fatigue and frustration. Last night when I had the RVers at my house, we were talking about some of the struggles of ministry, but also the triumphs and, and kind of that diversity of what you experience. And, and the truth of the matter is, is many pastors, not to scare you, but many pastors that go through building projects, I've heard this many times, end up resigning just after. I'm not doing that. I can tell you. And we even talked about, some would say, I'm here, everything's good, and then they're gone. I, I have a, a driven experience with God that 
that just says, I'm willing to die pastoring this church if that's what he wants me to do. I'm willing to be here till death. I don't have any other plans. There's no plan B, nothing in my head. I don't even really find enjoyment in dreaming about anything else. In frustration, if somebody really aggravates me, I might say, you know, I could just take off to the Bahamas. We got at least enough money in the last couple of weeks, and then we come back poor, but we'd, you know, get away, you know? So, you know, you have those immature moments where you just kind of blow and say something stupid. But the truth is, really, in all seriousness, I cannot even fathom doing anything other than what God has asked me to do here and completing the mission, which is not just building the building, but filling it over and adding on again and filling it again and then spreading out into the communities that need a church and going on from there and missions worldwide giving. But this father fought so long. It talks about how long he fought. He was weary. And here the people are arguing. And he can you just imagine saying, I mean, come on, really? You're going to argue semantics of, of, of Scripture? It, that is not doing anything to fix my boy. And so many times we get caught up in our religious practice of church going that we've done so long and we can have all these great conversations and intellectual thoughts about how God moves and all these things and we should it sharpens us but we can get so caught up in that and not even for a moment see the people that are hurting outside the walls and you see the mountaintop experiences are to prepare us to go outside the walls that's what the new testament church were to prepare to go out and minister to those who are hurting where this father's at Maybe it's not your children, but something else you've been dealing with for a long time. You've fought depression off and on for many years, and every time you think you finally defeated it, it comes back. That's why I've equated the bipolar uh, illness to some, something like what Paul said. Why do I always do the things I shouldn't? I can't seem to do the things I should. I'll think I have victory over an attitude or a bad, a, a bad habit in my life and just feel triumphant, and a week later, I've messed up and done it again. Lord, what? I thought victory means you no longer have to fight the battle. You won. Well, no, there's battle after battle until we win the final when we go to be with him. Maybe for several years, you've, without a problem, you've, you've conquered something, but it, then it comes back again, and you think, really, I've had two, three, four years not battling this, and here I have it again. Maybe you've been praying for years for a spouse to accept Christ or a loved one to accept Christ and it just feels like they're getting more belligerent or more resistant. Like, God, what's the purpose of me praying and this isn't happening? Maybe you're believing for a turnaround in your finances or a business and you just, you just can't seem to find an end in all the struggle. And you're praying and you're like, is God even hearing me? The doctor gave a bad report. You can go on and on. But this father, he is worn out, tired, and ready to give up. Notice he wasn't even in the argument. He was so much not in the argument that he noticed Jesus come out and heard what Jesus said. Have you ever been in one of those places where people are kind of getting heated and you're trying to say something, but you're not in the argument, so nobody, unless you want to jump in and start doing the word battle, you're not going to be recognized. At that point, people's uh, emotions and aggravation is elevated to the point that they don't want to hear anything else unless you're ready to battle this out. They're, they're stuck on the fight. But this father is not stuck on the fight. He's stuck on the hurt. Twenty two B says, but if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. If you can do anything, be merciful for those who doubt. 
Jesus, verse 23, said to him, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. And that's the second lesson. Everything's possible with Jesus. Here's where we go wrong quickly is when we stop believing that all things are possible with Jesus. When we look at a situation and our doubt is not the sin, our, our doubt is not necessarily the biggest problem, it's the action the doubt causes. It's, it's the stop believing for God to do something. Like we, we got discouraged and now God's all of a sudden a different God that doesn't show up in every circumstance. Or, or the answer wasn't like we thought, or he didn't answer like we thought, and so we give up hope. It's hopeless, it seems, but not with Jesus. The third lesson we learn from the valley is we have to choose to believe. That's what I was talking about after the worship service. I said, it's a choice. You can make a choice to just sit in a seat and observe what God's doing, or say, God, I know, if I'm honest among all the people here, and I'm honest with myself, is things are not like I would hope to be with you, and I need something to break through my spirit, so I'm going to have to move out of my comfort place. I don't believe you have to go to an altar to get closer to God, because it's not that he's there and not here, but I need to, for my own pride, for once, move out of my comfort zone and do something different than I'm doing, because nothing's changing in my life. And you've got to be in this constant state of ready and moldable and ready to change for Jesus to continue to grow you. you. You cannot get stuck in one mode and say, this is who I am, this is how I operate, I have scriptural basis to stand on this, and so I will not move. Most time we're tailoring the scripture to fit our resistance to what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Many times. It's like Jonah. The people of Nineveh are evil. They're anti-God. I have good reason not to go to them. I should say separate from those people. Let them be judged. But you have to choose to believe. I, you have to make the decision, I'm going to believe. And when you're in the valley and choose to believe, like verse 25, when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, deaf and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter into him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him. The answer came when Jesus ignored all the calamity and spoke to the issue at hand with authority. And I've got to tell you that I get challenged every week on this. This last week, I, we had been given, through someone else, been given some wire and different things to be used for the building project. And some of it will be able to use, some will pass on to churches that can use it. But there's different kinds of cable and wire. And the gentleman told me who gave it. I remembered it was someone who had come and visited a couple times, a single mom with a teenage son. And I got a call from her that she had some more stuff to give and, and began to break and explain that they, they had a bunch of things that, that they had to get out of the house and it became in the yard and then the city started getting upset about the mess in the yard and now they gave them a timeline to get out and she didn't have the help or the ability to get this stuff moved. And I went to go get some of the wire that they are giving us and and um, I pulled up and I saw the, 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 the magnitude of, of the stuff that me had done. And I was tired. But I'm, I'm pulling a 16-foot enclosed trailer that belongs to the church. And in my, my thought process, I'm looking at her and her teenage son. And they're getting ready to go somewhere. So we're all trying to thank you and go. And I remember apologizing, saying, I'm sorry. I would stay and help with this. But I'm, I've, I've got to be here and this and that. Um, she said, well, we're leaving. We're not dealing with it right now, but I have to have it done by Monday morning. I've already gotten a letter from the city. And I got in the truck, and I was just like, you know, Lord, I, you know I don't have time to be able to do this. With everything else going on, I don't. I mean, we're just, we've been torn with a lot of things, and a loss in the family, and 
making excuses. And I felt like the Lord just said, really, you don't have time? Whose trailer is that? Is that yours? No, Lord, that's the church's. Whose truck is this? Well, I have the title, but it's yours, Lord. You mean that you preach about ministering to, to those in the community and there's one literally within a few blocks of the church and you don't have time? Are you really telling me that? That's why I felt like the Lord was, are you telling me that? And man, it just broke me. And then I saw the image of the, the eyes of that teenage boy looking at me. And while I wanted to minister to the mom and that was her responsibility with it, I thought, here's the one who is paying dearly for that because he's got neighbors and everything. He, he knows the city, and, and this is his home, and they need help. And man, it just grabbed me. I thought, before I knew it, it's like the Lord just planned ideas. It's like, you know, this is a good community outreach for our youth. We've got the trailer. All I can do, and on Saturday, on Saturday, I messaged the mayor. I said, Mayor Bill, I know I've been made aware of this situation. If we get involved, could you give us some more time for us to organize and do something about this? And he said, as long as you're communicating, fine. I was able to call her back as they were on this little, try to get away from that environment. They were just trying to get away for a day from all that. And she broke. To her, that was a deep valley. Us, we have the resources. We're on the mountaintop. We have the resources to help in the valley. And that's the thing about the mountains and the valleys is that it's not just your mountains and valleys because it's not just about us. It's about those he puts around us to minister to. And so it's not about just when you're on the mountaintop getting the power to go down to the valley to deal with your valleys. It's about on the mountaintop also receiving from the Lord so that when you go to the valleys, you also are ministering to those who have their own valleys. And so I talked to Jen, I talked to Ryan, and we're organizing this week, and you're welcome to help too. And we're going to go over there, and I asked her, is it okay if we just put a sign on the side of our thing that says, Jesus loves our neighbors, and we just put new song loves our neighbors, something to let them know we love you and we are here to minister to you. It's not to draw recognition to us, but to say Jesus is the one who puts that love in our hearts. He is the reason. Nothing's impossible with Jesus, but it takes making the decision that I'm going to do something about the life that the Lord has given me. I'm going to do something to make a change. I'm going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. We can't just go from service to service to service and soak up what God is speaking to our hearts and think that all it is is for our own individual lives. There'd be no purpose in building a bigger building with more seats if that's the way we think and act and move through our faith journey, that it's about our struggles and our trials. Every time we get too focused on our struggles, guess what? You get drowned in more struggles. When you become self-focused on your own trials instead of trusting the Lord with your things and make your life about His concerns, guess what? It seems like Murphy's Law visits. Everything goes wrong and continues to go wrong because now you're just focused on you. And so you're keenly and sensitive to everything that happens. We, we have found, Jen and I have found that it's like the example I used when our car had trouble on our anniversary. We got this one little break in the, in the building project. We hadn't had days off. We just wanted to go to Branson and enjoy our, and we didn't have the kids. And we get there and the car overheats and we're stuck. And normally that would have just crushed me and said, okay, and I would have been trying to work on it and it would have ruined our weekend. And I just said, you know what? If we have to leave it here at this gas station and rent a car. I'm on the phone to rent a car. I said, I don't care if we have the money or not. We're, gonna, we're not letting the enemy take this time for us, you know? We're going to 
And you know what? We're there for a moment. We had uh, something cold to drink from, the, from there, and all of a sudden the car started and didn't act up the rest of the time. And I believe it was a test. God was just saying, what you say, is it really what you'll do? When the pressure's on, is it really what you do? When you're in the mountaintop and you're getting this opportunity to enjoy yourself and do that, are you going to stay focused on you or are you going to be concerned about your wife and making sure that you don't have an attitude that ruins her time? And, and that's a small example. That seems insignificant, but it comes real when you pull up in front of somebody's house when you're a representative of Jesus and you have the tools and the ability and been equipped to minister to their needs and you say, I don't have time. And you make an excuse because you got your life the way you like it and you got your schedule, and you worked hard to get there, and, and, and you got to understand, i got these other responsibilities. And listen, I have a very large family. My aunt, that one of my aunts that just stayed in most engaged in my life, passed away, and I still had a piece about it, and I still went for the funeral. But there's many times when, when the other family was running over to visit with him, and I had this pull, like, I feel like I should be over there, but I realized the Lord had given me a task to do and he had that situation under control. And there's times that with the large family I have that if I didn't trust him in those situations, I would be running so much with my own concerns of those closest to me that I wouldn't have time for anybody outside of that. And we all have that risk whether you have a large family or not. The enemy would like nothing better than to consume you with your own concerns. And you're up on the mountain Everything feels great. And when you're up there, you know, it's a lot harder to see the people in the valley if you're just looking around to enjoy yourself. But if you take a moment to bow your head and to look at what God has placed all around you, you'll see hurting people everywhere you go. And he's prepared you to minister to them. Amen. We're going to pray a prayer of commitment, and I'm praying it for the second time from first service. Now I'm going to pray that God help me get out of the way be less focused on myself. And yes, I, I love those times when I'm on the mountaintop. I feel like I'm experiencing him like never before. And the fuzzy doodads and all the great stuff that the Holy Spirit moves on you, you feel and experience, and those are all wonderful. But instead of trying to commemorate those moments and just talk about those revivals, how the church needs to be like that again, and all those things, you know, there's a proverb that says, don't focus on the good old days. That's foolish. So also another scripture says, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about self. And that gives us that great balance that God says, you need to be in the moment. When I take you on the mountaintop, don't be worried about your phone and capturing the moment in that service. You know, you've been to those services, people got one hand raised and the other phone video in the worship. But I've done it. Don't be worried about commemorating the moment. Worry about being changed by the moment. Being, worry about being changed by the voice of the Lord when he speaks and not just trying to have it to tell somebody, say, oh, you should have heard that message, or you should have heard this. Boy, that was good. And treat it like it's a, it's a trinket. What's important is, what did it do different in your life? What changed about your Monday at work? What changed about your relationship with your family? What changed in your life because of what God spoke to you? That's what matters. Listen, I have lots of great preachers I like to listen to, but I don't worship any of them, and I don't just toot their horn and make them like they are the greatest thing. They are servants just like I am and like you are. And when they have a great word, great. That's God's word, not that man's word. If it's truth from his word, it's God's word, right? But instead of being a follower of people, be a follower of Jesus. Instead of trying to capture all these moments of just pleasure, say, God, what do you want to do with this? 
how do you want to change me? I submit to you, and I want to be out of the way. Just use me. Let's pray. God, I pray with those who will pray this prayer of commitment that, God, I'll get my focus off of me and back on you. And, Lord, tomorrow's going to be hard because I'm going to go out with my own plan and my own idea, because often I do, and set my own expectations for what's going to happen tomorrow. And, God, when you start to change that, to grow me, I'm going to resist. I know in my nature I'll try to resist. So I'm praying right now this prayer of commitment. God, remind me of my words and my commitment to you tomorrow and the rest of today. That when the pressure's on, when I want to snap at my wife or kids because I'm tired, and, and not to excuse that, but say, Lord, I made a commitment to you that I was going to be changed by your word. And so no longer am I going to push back and use excuses. That, God, you've had me on the mountaintop. I'm going to use what you've given me to change the valleys. Not just for me, but for those around me. God, I pray for accountability among all believers here today. For me and for them, that we hold each other accountable to the commitments we make to you. Not to point fingers or to be rule keepers, but out of compassion and love, that we all grow together, closer together and closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, I love you. I broke my commitment of getting you right behind the Baptist. We went longer. Listen, I God... God was just all over me on this message, and we had to, we had to hear it. So, uh, love you. God bless you. Hope to see you Wednesday night at 6:30. Have a blessed Sunday.